Welcome back, and thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair, from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Let's start with a short introduction. Those of you who have listened before will be familiar with this, but we'll go over things briefly for those listening for the very first time. This is a fan podcast, and the opinions expressed are solely ours. We encourage all of you to visit trekkercomic.com. That's Ron Randall's official site dedicated to Mercy St. Clair. There you will find the latest Trekker news, as well as a brand new page of Trekker material that he publishes every Monday. He also has informative blog posts where he shares insights into the process of creating Trekker. You will also find links to all of the ways to follow Ron Randall on social media, including links to Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and his Patreon page, where if you want, you can choose to help support the new Trekker material. He just posted a page called Mercy Goes Noir, and being a fan of film noir, that was certainly intriguing to me. During this podcast, we'll occasionally refer to page numbers related to the story. Trekker has been published in various formats, including individual issues of a solo series, various specials, and multi-part stories in the anthology series Dark Horse Presents. For our references, we'll be using the page numbers from the Trekker Omnibus, which is a collection published in 2013 that includes all of the Trekker material up to that point in time. We've chosen to use the Trekker Omnibus since it is widely available and reasonably priced. It's available in print in a graphic novel collection, or you can download it directly onto your tablet of choice by purchasing a digital copy from Comixology, the Dark Horse Comics app, or from the Amazon Kindle store. Also, if you own the books on any of these digital formats, please consider taking a moment to rate the books. It would be great to see several five-star ratings that would hopefully encourage new readers to give the books a try. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the story Rules of the Game, which was featured in issue number three of Trekker and was published in September 1987. And later in the episode, we'll share your comments and the feedback we've received since the last episode. I know the show is more fun for everyone if it is interactive, so please write in and let us know your thoughts about Trekker and the issues we're discussing. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Did we miss something? Or do you just have another point of view? We really want to know, and we're sure other fans will want to know as well. So at the end of the episode, we'll give you some ways to contact us, and we'll share your comments in a future episode. Trekker number 3 was published by Dark Horse Comics, with a cover date of September 1987. Sequentially, this is the fourth Trekker story, and it appears fourth in the Trekker Omnibus from pages 89 to 117. At Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com site, the story is listed as Trekker Book 4, Rules of the Game. The story is in black and white, and is written and illustrated by Ron Randolph with letters by Ken Bruzinak. On the cover, we have a scene all in purple. Mercy is off balance and looks as though she's about to fall. She's on the defense and under fire. The story opens with the closing scene of the previous issue with one significant difference. In this version, when Hilt sees the blood at the entrance to his ship, he has time to pull his weapon and guns down Mercy instead of being shot by Silica. We turn the page and see Mercy in her bed, waking in a sweat from an obviously bad dream. Scuff is alert and staring at her with concern. Mercy climbs out of bed and walks into her living room to watch the sunrise. A knock at the door initially surprises her, and then she realizes Paul is stopping by early. Paul asks how she's feeling after the ordeal with Hiltz. Mercy doesn't believe that's the question he wanted to ask so early in the morning, so he finally comes out and tells her he's going on the Venusian tour. He already bought two tickets, and one is for her. She looks initially surprised and then hesitant and unsure. She says she'll let him know, and he leaves with a feeling of hope. After he leaves, she picks up Scuff and holds him in her arms, and thinks that the Venusian tour is supposed to be beautiful. 
But then Mercy's cynical nature returns, and she starts to think that people are the same everywhere. Next, we see Alex St. Clair standing over a dead body. It's Councilman Valander, one of the biggest cogs in New Gallup's political machine. He knows he has no hope of solving this crime because he will get pressure from both sides of the political spectrum, each with their own agenda and neither interested in the truth. So he calls on Mercy to investigate it from outside the police force, since she's the only person he can trust. She reminds him she's a trekker and not a detective, but since it's for Uncle Alex, she agrees. Mercy isn't having any luck with her usual contacts, but then she reaches out to Les Moosey. He still owes her for getting Stravin for him, and based on the type of hit, he knows when and where the payoff will be, at the old Astro Lines grounds. She's amazed by his wealth of knowledge, and he tells her she's still wet behind the ears. Next, Mercy is perched atop a large tank at the Astro Lines shipping grounds, and the payoff is happening as predicted. Mercy starts to move slowly down a ladder when a hand reaches out and grabs her. She and the man scuffle, and when he shoves her against a satellite dish mount, it attracts the attention of the men below, and since they're finished with their business, they quickly make their escape. Mercy and the other man realize they're both trekkers. He spent 5,000 credits for this information, and now it's wasted. They both tell the other to stay out of their way, and Mercy swings away using her reeler. The next day, Mercy updates Uncle Alex. As expected, he's making no progress from inside the police force. Mercy confidently tells him she'll find the trigger. Alex comments that when he sees that look in her eyes, she reminds him of her father. He immediately realizes that was the wrong thing to say, and Mercy replies, I hope I'm nothing like my father. Later, based on a lead, Mercy is hiding in the shadows at Vista Rail Station when a shot is fired nearby. She recognizes it as a warning shot and turns to see the other trekker we met earlier on a ledge above. She fires several shots, damaging the ledge and sending the other trekker scrambling. A few minutes later, the two run into each other inside and realize they've missed their mark again. Our new acquaintance introduces himself as Roger Vincent and proposes the two team up and split the reward 50-50. Mercy's not interested and walks away. The next day, while waiting to follow up on a lead, Mercy and Molly meet at the Interstellar Bazaar. After some brief business talk, Molly changes the subject to Paul. Mercy tells her about his invitation to the Venusian tour, and Molly thinks it sounds wonderful. Mercy isn't so sure, though. She's afraid if things don't go well, well, then it's a long walk back from the Venusian system. Mercy's latest information leads her down into the old subway tunnel tubes. She hears something behind her and to both sides, and then realizes it's a trap. She's a professional, though, and manages to find some cover and takes down a couple of her attackers, but knows she doesn't have a chance. Then Roger Vincent shows up, and the remaining gunmen run off, realizing it won't be as easy now that there are two trekkers to contend with. Vincent tells Mercy he heard the same rumor, but knew it was a trap. Mercy starts to tell him off, but then the reality sets in. She wouldn't have survived without his help. So she agrees to team up with him after all. He reminds her his name is Roger Vincent, and then she tells him her name. He repeats, Mercy? And then laughs, saying, You're kidding, right? It's time for another visit to Lasmusi, and he tells Mercy that the trigger is scheduled to ship out with a load of cargo on the Pisces line. Using the Pisces line makes Mercy suspect Gatefish is involved. Lasmusi replies that if it's Gatefish, then Rikovicki is the likely trigger. Mercy and Vincent are on the roof at the east side loading docks. The two split up on the scaffolding to get better positions. Mercy triggers an alarm and gunfire rains up from below. Mercy has good cover and is able to get off several shots and the gunmen below scramble. Mercy looks for Vincent, but he's gone. Mercy pulls out her reeler. She knows the location of a gatefish safe hole and thinks that is where her mark is headed. She makes her way down into a basement filled with equipment. 
Rico Vicky is waiting to ambush her, and we get the scene from the cover of the issue. He has the initial advantage, but Mercy is faster. She fires a distracting shot and then gets the jump on him. Mercy arrives at the police station with Rico Vicky, but Uncle Alex has bad news for her. While he's sure Rico Vicky is guilty of something, he wasn't the assassin. Roger Vincent has already delivered the real trigger, who has already signed a confession. And Roger Vincent took the full bounty and headed back to Gamma 7. Mercy storms out of the police station. Later, she's sulking at home when she picks up the phone. She calls Paul to tell him to count her in for the Venusian tour. And then she casually asks, does it go anywhere near Gamma 7? And that was our summary of this issue. So what did you think about it? I really enjoyed the story and the adventure. I know I could hardly wait to start reading this issue after reading Scarman's Burn and just couldn't wait to see what would happen next. And I like how there's some story threads that keep popping up here and there. And in fact, I was thinking that this issue was almost like a reunion of sorts because we end up meeting back up with Lamusi and we're reminded of Gatefish, who was in the very first issue. Yeah, I like that part of it too, which is why I'm glad we're keeping up with the characters as we record each episode so we can try to remember people as they pop back up like that. I really enjoyed this issue too, though I have to admit that Mercy isn't at her best in this issue. She barely escapes from several situations and doesn't get her man in the end. We even hear Lasmusi tell her she's wet behind the ears, so she obviously still has a lot to learn. Well, let's do a page flip through the story next and talk about it a little more in depth. So we start off with page 91, and you get a page very reminiscent of the end of the previous story, and it has a very different outcome. But of course, we know by the bottom of the page that this is poor Mercy having a dream. And what I really liked is turning the next page, we get a full page shot of Mercy waking up in bed. We get the title there, Rules of the Game. But I thought it was quite a coincidence there. Just last episode, we talked about being fans of Christopher Lee and the Hammer Horror Films. And it's interesting that there's a poster or painting on Mercy's wall that looks very much like Dracula to me. So I see it, too. Very much the cape there with the high collar. And I would not have noticed that if you had not pointed it out to me. So I'm glad you mentioned it. And flipping the page over to 93... What I noticed through several of these panels is Scuff following her about the apartment and how concerned he is. He knows that she was stressed out during during her dream and I think is wanting to make sure she's okay. Yeah, that's nice. Then moving over to page 94, we get the follow-up on Paul's plan to ask Mercy to go off-planet that he mentioned to Molly last time. And I was really surprised here that she just did not flat-out say no because she has been so cold to him. Not sure really, you know, what interest level she has in him or not. So that's gotten me interested to see what will happen for the future there. If we turn on over to page 95, I very much like this page, especially the center three panels. Very nice and moody. The way Mercy picks up Scuff, holds him there as she's staring out the window and looking out at the city skyline of New Gallif. And then on page 96, we really have the setup for this story. It's a mystery. I like mysteries. And here, there's a murder victim on the floor, and the police are stumped and want to solve this crime. Page 97, I really like the very first panel there. We get a montage scene of Mercy and her investigation, and I just very much like the way this is laid out. Uh, nicer than most montage scenes, the way uh, all the different parts of the panel overlay each other. I especially like it. 
I agree with you there. There's just a whole lot fit into that top third of the page. A lot of story conveyed. And it was nice to see Lasmusi again. Like you mentioned earlier, I always remember liking him. So it's nice he showed back up. If we flip over to page 98, we get a stunning first panel there. The entire left side of the page is the Astro shipping lines. You get the dirty skyline of New Gallif in the background. And they're perched atop one of the giant tanks holding on for dear life to a ladder. You see Mercy's silhouette with her cape fluttering in the wind. I love that scene. So immediately after the scene of Mercy atop the tanker line, we get to meet our new Trekker, our new guest star for this issue. And of course, he and Mercy get off to a rough start. And moving on to page 102, I like the scene in the park. Just get a little bit more atmosphere of the city as she's able to sit down and have a conversation with her uncle Alex there in the park. And then it really piqued my interest to know more about her background and her reaction to his comment about her being a bit like her father. And that was definitely something she wanted to reject. So it's gotten my interest piqued on her backstory. Yeah, very nice the way he peppers his stories with these little scenes. I like it. Okay, moving over to 103. Love this page and really especially how she's bursting through the glass in that bottom half of the page. Amazing art. And on page 104, I thought it was interesting. Again, I'm liking how I get to learn more about this world in bits and pieces. And I get to see... She and Molly out shopping and kind of an overview of the Interstellar Bazaar. I want to go shopping there. I can't imagine how many amazing things must be for sale. Really want to stroll around and see what's there. So over on page 105, as Mercy and Molly are shopping, we spend a little bit of time with them and learn that Mercy is seriously considering Paul's invitation. But she's concerned that if it doesn't go well, she might feel trapped. And as she says, it's a long walk back from the Venusian system. I thought that was really funny. I liked how what really caught her eye, you know, she's trying on the dress and looking at all these frilly things, but what really caught her eye and that she stopped to make a purchase of was that wavy knife. So she's really a fan of weapons through and through. (laughs) That's really good. Turning over to page 106, another panel that I love in the center of the page, Mercy down in the subway tunnel tubes. It looks very creepy and mysterious. It looks like the perfect setting for an adventure. And we don't spend much time here, so it it needs to be part of another story. Okay, I'll vote for that. Hey, what about 107? That is the most spectacular splash page. I mean, that is like quintessential Trekker in action. I completely agree. This is a perfect example of how Ron Randall can draw movement. The way Mercy is twisting there, her torso's twisted. You see the cloth of her uniform pulled. You see the position of her legs. She's firing two different directions with her gun. Other men are surrounding her and firing. It's a stunning action-packed page. You even see the muscles tensed in her neck there in the shadows. I just love everything about it. So then I was surprised to see that she actually got rescued by a guy. Like, what's going on here? This this new trekker is showing up again, getting her out of a tight spot, and she reluctantly has to admit that she would not have made it out of that situation on her own. Yeah, it was a little bit surprising. You know, Mercy's our hero, and we always want her to win in the end, but here she did have to get rescued by someone else, but you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> 
Maybe it makes her a little more believable that way, that she's not 100% perfect. And then maybe occasionally she needs to accept some help from some other other people that come along. Right. But I do love the way the scene with her and Vincent ends when he reintroduces himself and then she finally tells him her name and he laughs at the name Mercy and says, you're kidding, right? That was a good one. If we turn on over to page 112, the very first panel, another example of what I always think of as the sort of signature look of Mercy St. Clair and Trekker, the close-up image of her face with gun barrels blazing on both sides of the panel. I always like every variation of that scene every time I see it. So as we turn on over to page 113, we get an alternate version of the cover image in the center of the page. And it's interesting, I actually prefer this version of the image to the cover because I like the landscape view of it here. The layout, I think, gives an even bigger sense of scale and action and movement. So I actually prefer this version of it Mm -hmm. to the cover image. I see what you're saying about the layout there. And then over on page 114, we get this great shot of Mercy leaping toward our bad guy there. Great example of just how she seems to be leaping and moving forward in the panel. And I'm moving on over to page 116, and it really strikes me just the body language, how much emotion and bits of the story are conveyed in how the figure is drawn. And especially, for example, that last panel on this page And you get how determined and uh, stern that she is as she is kind of stomping away with that uh, great set of skyscrapers in the background behind her. It's a great view of the city, but also so much conveyed with how she's feeling at that moment. It is wonderful perspective that he uses there. The image is great, and I like that you mentioned the skyscrapers because the way he used the perspective here, you know how tall those buildings are, and yet she's taller than all of the buildings when you look Ah, at the perspective of the image. There you go. I love it. And so the very last page, we see the decision is made. She is getting all of her clothes out, getting ready to pack up, and of course, packing that weapon because she has that ulterior motive. So, Darren, tell me about your favorite pages and panels. All right. Well, let's start with favorite page. So I think if we turn all the way back to page 95 will be my runner-up. I mentioned this one as we went through. I find it really interesting. The layout is very traditional, but the way Ron Randall uses shadows and light and perspective makes the page very dynamic and very engrossing. So it just really draws me in. I like the whole page, but especially the top center panel of Mercy, that expression on her face just evokes so much emotion. And then the three panels in the center just create a great sense of mood, the way she you know, is silently standing there in the dark, looking out of the window, holding scuff at the dirty skyline of New Gellif. Really great page. But my winning page... We have to turn forward to page 107. And this is, I spent some time talking about this earlier, but this page is just a perfect example of how well Ron Randall draws movement, the way she's twisting and turning and firing, all the different perspectives. I mentioned how the muscles in her neck are all tensed. So this page is my favorite. Very good choice. I'm going to go back just a few pages to 103. That is my winner, 
and in large part because of the bottom half. I think I mentioned earlier just how she's bursting through the glass is amazing to me because I can really sense that. I could hear the glass shattering. I can feel the impact. It's just so well conveyed as part of the story. And all of the other things leading up to that, like the guy ending up being basically shot down off of the ledge and falling, all of that is just well done visually with the story for that. Really admire it all. I like that page too. So we'll move on then to favorite panels. This was very difficult for me. I actually, when I started my list of favorite panels, it was so long, I thought I might have listed every one. So <laughs> No way, you can't do that. <laughs> no, I didn't. It, it wasn't that many, but it might have been a double-digit list <laughs> wow. when I started. So I had to narrow it down. I couldn't talk about that many. But I, I'll name a couple real quick. We ended our review or our flip-through talking about that great illustration on the bottom of page 116. So I'll just name that one real quick as one of my favorites. Also, I think if we move forward a little bit to page 106 we get that nice panel i mentioned earlier down in the subway tunnel tubes i like that scene a lot and then we keep turning back to page 97 which has that nice montage at the top of the page that i mentioned how much i liked so i had three runners up but I have to say my winning panel is on page 98 on the left at the Astro Lines. I love that image of Mercy on the ladder with her cape fluttering in the wind. It creates a sense of suspense and makes Mercy look very small in a dark and dirty world. Very dramatic. I like that. Well, I'm going to make you, Darren, turn over to page 107 as I'm talking about my favorite panels. This one I decided it could fit into either a panel category or a page category. <laughs> Definitely. It's a one-page panel yes. or a one-panel page. But I love it. So for all of the things that we said earlier, that one is spectacular. But let me award my winning prize for this issue to page 112. The panel I'm looking at is overlaid by a few other panels, but if you look for her going across the city using the reeler kind of zip line way that she's traveling... Again, it's another one of those where it's almost just like the silhouette of the figure. It's small, but very impactful. So you can see her in relationship to the city in the background, the dirty sky, and all of the things that are going around there. So that one just really spoke to me. I like that panel a lot, too. And it reminds me of one of your favorite panels from last issue. Yes. Scarman's Burn. Nice. You're consistent. All right, it's time for Who's Who when we talk about significant characters from the stories and get to know them a little better. We don't look ahead because we don't want to spoil the stories for anyone reading them for the first time. That means we'll revisit characters over time as we learn more things about them. Mercy St. Clair is a bounty hunter known as a trekker. She lives on Ontari Alley, which is a bad part of New Gullif. She spends most of her money on weapons for her job and food for her pet scuff, which is a dox, which is a cross between a dog, a cat, and a fox. Alex St. Clair is Mercy's uncle and a lieutenant in the police force. The police and trekkers don't generally like each other, but those two definitely care for each other and sometimes collaborate on cases, as in this adventure. Molly Sundowner is a local shopkeeper and Mercy's best friend. She takes care of Scuff when Mercy is away and likes to give Mercy advice whether she wants to hear it or not. Paul is a police officer who works in the same precinct as Uncle Alex. 
Paul is trying to build a relationship with Mercy, and in this issue, she agrees to go away with him, but he doesn't know she has an ulterior motive. And we re-meet Lasmusi in this issue. He is an underworld figure, and while he and Mercy certainly aren't on the same side, they respect each other, and he owes her a favor. Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share emails, Facebook posts, and other messages we've received since the previous show. We continue to be amazed with the response to the podcast. Your support is the only way to get any attention for the show, so we sincerely thank all of you who shared news about the show on social media. So please consider tweeting about the show and sharing Facebook posts. It makes a world of difference. We heard from Professor Alan Middleton, who does the Quarter Bin Podcast and the Short Box Showcase with his daughter Emily at the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. He said, Despite being into independent comics during this era, I must confess that Trekker was one I never picked up. I don't really have a good excuse. I was reading sci-fi books and spy books and adventure books, but no Trekker. And now I'm starting to regret that. But the great thing about podcasts are that they can be compelling even without familiarity of the underlying material. And that's what the two of you have managed to pull off so far. A compelling podcast that I listen to to learn about Mercy and her adventures. He also mentioned the show on a blog post he did regarding new podcasts. The blog is called Alan's Eyes and Ears. We'll include a link to that in the show notes, as well as the Relatively Geeky podcast. It means a lot for us to get such nice comments from Professor Alan, who is well-known in the comic and podcast community. I must say that hearing from him made us feel like we've graduated from the beginner's class and are ready to start the intermediate class. Thank you, Professor Alan. Brian Mulvey wrote to say, I really enjoyed podcast number three. Well-paced, and like you, Darren, I never noticed the bird's nest full of eggs. He added, I can't get enough of Ron's creations, and he really liked our idea of making an all-Randall wall in our home, knowing that it would be impressive. And he later goes on to say, it is great to be able to be interactive on the podcast. It started me thinking how we really live in a technologically amazing time that people who share common interests can connect. That said, I think it points to how special and kind a person Ron Randall is. He replied to me the first time I messaged him on Twitter, and rarely has anyone else done that. Then in closing, he said, the Trekker drawing that Ron did for you and Darren, was that a convention sketch? If so, I'm amazed at the detail he put into it and how it matched that awesome cover. Well, Brian, it really is a sketch from a convention. We were totally amazed by how beautiful it turned out. And like you, also amazed at the level of detail and care that he put into it. And Brian, we really want to thank you for pointing out how great it is to be interactive on these podcasts. So thank you for always writing in, and we hope that others will think about doing the same thing. We also heard from fellow podcaster Ed Moore, who does the Ronin Rabbit, Lords of Order, and Mighty Thorcast shows. He posted on our Trekker Talk Facebook page saying, For only their third released episode, they sound terrific and have the show down tight. We also want to thank Ed for mentioning our show on a recent episode of Lords of Order as well. Also, you may remember last time we mentioned how much we enjoyed the Ronin Rabbit podcast. But we forgot to mention that we have a beautiful print autographed by Ron Randall that has Mercy St. Clair standing alongside Usagi Yojimbo. That has the potential for a fun crossover. And we'll post it on our Trekker Talk Facebook page and on Twitter at Trekker Talk. Tony Greenhall sent us his thanks for the Trekker Toast on the show, saying that he definitely appreciates it. And we appreciate you writing in, Tony. Thank you. And in response to our mentioning him on the last episode, on Twitter, Jeremy Colwell said, I greatly appreciate your support. My son was actually amazed at the long plug for me. Hashtag impressing kids is fun. Our good friend Hugh wrote to say, I especially like the spontaneous interaction between the two of you. Very authentic and informative. Thank you so much, Hugh. 
Recently, I commented on a terrific panel from Ron Randall's Trekker Facebook page. It shows a pencil sketch of Mercy from the Jekka storyline that is underway. It is so three-dimensional that it really looks like the character could come out of the page. He wrote to say, Expressing the figure in dynamic action is always one of the most demanding and most fun parts of the job. Glad you like how this one's coming along. Also, great job on that third podcast. You guys are real polished, graceful presenters. I can see why people are liking and interacting with the show. You know, Darren, it really is a treat to hear from Ron Randall. It means a lot, and I'm delighted that he's listened to the show. That was some great feedback from Ron Randall. And we also had another brief exchange with him and Brian Mulvey following the previous episode, in which Ron Randall shared with us that Scarman's Burn was his favorite story from the original Trekker run. We sincerely appreciate knowing that Ron Randall enjoys and even gets involved in this little show. And we also want to go on and send out our sincere Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media. Thank you so much, and please continue to promote the show to help Trekker fandom grow. If we miss a name, please let us know. It wasn't intentional, and we'll correct it next episode. Also, please forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Email us and let us know, and we'll correct that next episode as well. We have a great list of people here to thank today. Alec Coleman, Alicia Grassaw, Andy Capellish, Bertal, Brett Carville, Brian Mulvey, Carolyn Wallace, Comic Concave, Comic Converse, Count Dracula, a.k.a. Ryan Daly, Deborah Franklin, D.M. Elms, Diablo Frank, Dwanza, Earth Destruction Directive, Ed Moore, Nick Moore, and Terry Moore. Hey, thanks to the whole Moore family. Elsa Everart, Firestorm Fan, Jeremy Colwell, Crowdster, Kyle Benning, Linda Tranfeld, Mark Dell, Maricole Burns, Moss Eisley Comicport, Meredith Cosplay, N2, Neek Veneers, Odyssey Unleashed, Pablo, Rob Kelly, Robert Bell, Rolled Spine Podcast, Star Fox, Tony Greenall, Universal Radio, and Warren Montgomery. A big sincere thanks to you all. It's time for our Trekker Toast Award, where we recognize someone who went above and beyond in supporting Trekker Talk. From our very first episode, we've had one individual who has consistently supported the show on social media, both by retweeting our messages as well as sending out his own messages. He's also written emails after each show to share his thoughts and to provide extra insight into the stories. We always look forward to reading his comments. So we lift up our glasses and give a thankful Trekker Toast to Brian Mulvey. Thank you, Brian, for all of your support. We really sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brian. And we'll be right back after we play a couple of promos for other comic-related podcasts you might enjoy. This is an imaginary podcast, which may never have happened. The Shortbox Showcase. But then again may have. About a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Walking Dead, Tintin, Black Lightning, White Tiger. It tells of their rise to glory when the great guests were yet to be booked. Let's put it this way Shogun Warriors wasn't going to win any Eisners. And the great feats of editing not yet performed. And this is Ultra 7, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo, and this is Ultra- Of how they spoke at length. This continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. But to be fair, the best kind of confession is the Force Confession and reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Red Sun is wonderful with a very strange ending. Of brilliant creators 
before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative and artistic powers, and the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an imaginary podcast. Aren't they all? Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase. And remember, we're not experts. We're just family. I got a bad feeling about this. You'd be feeling a lot better, Han, if you were listening to Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast hosted by me, Ryan Daly. That doesn't sound too hard. It's not hard. You just check out Dead Boffin Spies on iTunes, Facebook, or the blog page, deadboffinspies.blogspot.com. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Well, I, I don't know if terror is an appropriate description. It's a podcast that combines everything you love about me talking and some of what you love about Star Wars. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Fine, whatever. Do that after you listen to Dead Boffin Spies. Yoda. You seek Yoda. No, you seek Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast. Check it out. It beats kissing a Wookiee, I would think. <laughs> It's time for What's Up, when we talk about other things going on outside the world of Trekker. There's an annual Japanese summer festival here locally. We always go whenever we can, but we've missed it the last couple of years because of being out of town when it was held. So I was really happy that we were in town and able to attend it yesterday. They always have lots of great Japanese street or fair food, including yakisoba noodles, grilled corn on the cob, dango, which are sweet dumplings, green tea ice cream, green tea snow cones, and actually green tea. And out of all of those, my favorite are the green tea snow cones. The ice is so fluffy and the flavor is terrific. And they have games and music. And one of our favorite parts is always the performance by the Triangle of Taiko, which is a local group that plays traditional Japanese drums. And we have another nice event coming up next weekend. The local art museum here actually has a giant movie screen built into the side of one of the outside walls. And during the summer, they show films on Friday and Saturday nights, and people bring picnic baskets and sit on the lawn to watch the movies. Next weekend, they're showing To Kill a Mockingbird in honor of the release of Harper Lee's new novel. It's a great movie and one that we haven't seen in several years, so we're going to go out and enjoy that. Summer movie season is well underway, and we spent some time in the spring getting ready for the summer sequels by rewatching the first three Mad Max movies, the first three Jurassic Park movies, and all four of the Terminator movies. But can you believe, ironically, we have not had a chance to make it out to the theater to see any of these new films. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll have to rewatch them all again by the time we finally get around to seeing the new movies. Uh... <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con is going on right now. We actually lived in Southern California for a couple of years, a few years ago, and that made it very convenient to attend, and we always enjoyed it when we did. It was already way too crowded at that time, and it's difficult to imagine how much more crowded it is now. However, we do also want to mention a couple of upcoming conventions that we will be attending. Both of them are in September. First is Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia, over Labor Day weekend. It's one of our favorite conventions, and we attend it most years. 
It always has a great variety of guests and so many interesting discussion panels that often there are three or four things going on at the very exact same point in time that we want to attend. Like this is when I need to have a time machine or clone myself or something because it's hard to do everything at once. Yeah, absolutely. And then in late September, we'll be attending Baltimore Comic-Con. Of course, anyone listening to this podcast knows that the best guest at that show will be Ron Randall himself. We're definitely looking forward to that. So if anyone out there is planning to attend either of these cons, let us know and we can have a Trekker fan meetup sometime during the weekend. That would be great. Before we go, we want to provide our contact information. Please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter. Also, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and Stitcher and giving us a good rating. Those are the only ways to help get the show noticed and hopefully attract more listeners to help Trekker fandom grow. And since the last episode, the show is now on TuneIn, which means that you should be able to play the show on your snazzy Amazon Echo. We found the Echo to generally be great at understanding us, but admittedly, we've been having trouble getting it to understand the word Trekker. If you want to contact us directly, you can send us an email at trekkertalk at gmail.com. We're at facebook.com backslash trekkertalk or on Twitter at trekkertalk. Please use hashtag TrekkerTalk and hashtag TrekkerComic in your messages to help other fans find and follow the conversation. Plus, if you have ideas for other hashtags to help us spread the word about Trekker, let us know and we'll share them going forward. Also, please visit Ron Randall's official TrekkerComic.com website where you'll be able to see a new Trekker page every Monday. Ron Randall just recently posted on the Trekker Comic website information about his upcoming convention schedule. In addition to the Baltimore Con that we mentioned earlier, he will also be at Northwest Comic Fest in August, Rose City Comic Con in September, and ZapCon in October. We encourage any of you who might be planning to attend those events to stop by his booth and say hi. Also at TrekkerComic.com, you'll find links to everywhere you can find Ron Randall, from Facebook to Twitter to Tumblr, and he often responds to posts on his Facebook page and on his Patreon page. So post to his pages and let him and other fans know what you think of his new Trekker pages. It would be great fun to have some good conversations about the new material. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll come back next month for another new episode of Trekker Talk. Trekker Talk is not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies, and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. Sound effects are taken from the album Cartoon Sound Effects from the Royalty Free Sound Effects Factory. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended. Trekker Talk.